at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. All right, so it, an article came through uh, that was penned by Dr. Nikki Zeman, and uh, it really was saying the emotional toll on cancer patients, specifically breast cancer patient, is out of control. Unlike any other cancer, this is the one cancer where emotional, um, you know, trauma is is documented. So I do have Dr. Nikki on the line, joining us on the line this afternoon. A very good afternoon, Dr. Zeman, and thank you very much for joining us. Hi, Camilla. So, the, having me on the show. What prompted this particular angle of the study? Um, well, the article that we um, that we wrote was basically um, just to put it out there to um, our breast cancer patients that you know it is quite common to have these symptoms of depression. And it's important to actually um, talk about it with your healthcare provider um, because there are um, ways to manage it, you know, before it gets out of control. So that was the aim of of it. So the depression that we're referring to, is it commonly related to the physique, so the appearance, the aesthetics, or are there other things as well that cause this particular type of depression that they're going through? Yeah, um, well, it is a combination of, of things that lead to depressive symptoms. Um, in uh, breast cancer patients, they have found that about a quarter of breast cancer patients are affected by depression um, symptoms at some point. Um, so if you think about it, you know, uh, when a person is, a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, um, you know, sometimes it does come as quite a shock. Some people only come for, you know, their routine screening mammogram and then they don't necessarily expect there to be something, um, you know, something abnormal found. So, um, so I think the shock, um, shock and at, at the diagnosis plays a role. And then after that, uh, the patient needs to have a treatment. So um, every treatment modality does come with some side effects and sometimes it's quite um, hard on a patient's um, physique and mental, mental health to cope with these side effects. Mm. And, um, and then also after the treatment, um, you know, people around you move on. You, sometimes you, you feel quite isolated and you are left um, oftentimes with a fear of a recurrence that might happen, you know, or the uncertainty of the future. So I think um, all of these things do play a role, and um, you know, and makes it makes it quite common for for women with breast cancer to have some depressive symptoms um, somewhere along their diagnosis and management of their disease. Let's take calls on 0891-104-207. Your experience with breast cancer? How did you feel? At which point did the depression hit you? And how did you get help? Um, you know, Nikki, the, the the thing that that intrigues me is that surely, as a patient living with cancer or at least going through treatment, is it not obvious that you'll be depressed? Yes, that's why I say, um, you know, well, if you talk about clinical depression. Mm. Um, clinical depression um, affects up to a quarter of breast cancer patients. But that doesn't mean that patients, um, you know, that only a quarter of patients uh, have low mood at some point. Mm. It is actually quite a normal and natural process and I think a necessary process to go through um, the feeling of sadness and the feeling of loss. Mm. 
because that is the normal process of, of grieving, you know, of the grieving process. And when you are diagnosed with um, a disease like this, um, you need to actually go through that step as well as part of your um, coping mechanism and to actually, you know, be able to, to get through the, the treatment and to um, to, um, to focus on the future. So, yes, like you say, it is, it is a normal, it is a common, common phenomenon, um, but what we are um, saying is that um, uh, the, the patient's symptoms, it, it's common. I would say probably in all breast cancer patients, but um, but the, the but, but depression itself as the, the disease and the disease that um, causes a, a problem with um, coping in your everyday life that um, accounts for about 25 percent of patients, and that is why it's important to actually um, mention and for the doctors to actually notice patients going through depressive symptoms to pick up on it and to um, guide the patient in the right way in, in terms of treatment. Mm. So, so maybe the, the reason I'm asking you is that if you are a patient uh, obviously going through cancer treatment and you feel a bit down, at which point do you know that you need to reach out? Because you would probably assume that it's normal and, you know, it's kind of the run of the mill. At which point, as loved ones, when you observe the patient or as the patient yourself, mm. would you actually know that it's time to reach out to somebody and, and ask for help? Yeah, I think um, from the starting point, um, it would be important for you to keep the communication channels open with, um, you know, your family, your close family members, friends, uh, and people around you. So, um, but yes, when you are, um, when you notice that um, that you are having, I'm going to mention a few symptoms: the mm. feeling of sadness, um, tearfulness, hopelessness. Anger, outburst, irritability, um, loss of interest in pleasure or things that you used to enjoy before. Um, sleep disturbances can be struggling to sleep, insomnia or wanting to sleep the whole time. Um, feeling tired, having lack of energy, um, not wanting to eat, um, you know, loss of weight. Um, feeling anxious, agitated. Uh, feelings of worthlessness or guilt, you know, if you're having those kind of symptoms, uh, almost every day for more than two weeks. Mm. Um, that is time to to actually, you know, when people notice their family member going through breast cancer treatment is um, falling into that category. You know, it's time to look for for help. But I think it is important to, from the starting point, um, you know, keep the communication channels open. And um, I also think from not only from the patients. Point, but also from the healthcare provider, um, you know, your doctor, at every follow-up, it is important to actually, um, you know, ask the patient how they are doing um, regarding their mental health. Because mm -hmm. often patients don't mention it, you know, they, you know, they feel ashamed or they don't want to necessarily mention it. But when you um, prompt the question, you know, how are you coping, you know, mentally, then that, that's, that's an opportunity to open up communication channels. Let me open the lines on 0891-104-207. Your experience with cancer or breast cancer specifically, how have you dealt with the, the news that you have breast cancer? How difficult has it been and how are you coping as, it's, as it stands? Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. I'm joined on the line by Dr. Nikki Zeman, who is a general practitioner, and they wrote an article about the emotional toll that cancer, uh, breast cancer patients suffer. And uh, thanks very much for staying with us, Dr. Zeman. And, you know, you spoke a bit about how patients can get um, overwhelmed and so on. 
in in a case where the patient is going to a public facility, how equipped are the doctors in dealing with the emotional uh, situation there? Uh, you know, of, as we know, they get really busy. Uh, there they just maybe isn't time to deal with another layer of requests from a patient. Yeah, well, I think um, every doctor working in a oncology setting, um, you know, they should. It is important. So, um, time should be made during the consultation um, to look for these flags. It doesn't take. I mean, you know, it doesn't take take that much time to actually prompt the question of uh, of asking the patient how they are coping. It's necessary. It's part of a breast cancer patient follow up. Um, consultation that it, it is it, it's very important um, and especially because um, you know the treatment that you are giving the patient itself sometimes patient needs to go on hormone therapy and these therapies um, often causes side effects um, that need to be addressed at these consultations so I think um, it doesn't matter if you are um, working in a public setting or in a private facility um, like where I'm working um, I think in the public setting, there should be um, should be time made to flag these patients, and then um, in the centres that do deal with oncology, um, they do have uh, social workers and they do have other uh, healthcare um, colleagues that you can refer patients to to take it further. So I don't think there's any excuse to not address the, the you know the mental health of our um, breast cancer patients. Doc. The reluctance for patients to speak up, you find this is common? Yes, I do find um, it is quite um, common. Um, um, I found as well, you know, like I said, regarding the side effects of treatment, often patients, um, you know, they don't necessarily think of the side effects that they're having or the, the symptoms that they're having with their breast cancer um, diagnosis or treatment. So if you as a doctor um, know of the side effects of the, the treatment that you're giving, it is actually, you know, it's, it's your respons- responsibility to um, inform and educate your patient. So um, usually, you know, at our practice, we would, um, when the patient is diagnosed um, at her first uh, follow-up uh, uh, visit, which is um, which could be within one to three months after, um, after surgery, for instance, um, then we would you know, we would talk the patient through their uh, treatment if they have to be on endocrine therapy or hormone treatment, and we would explain to them what they can expect in terms of um, side effects, you know, so that they are aware, listen, I'm having this symptom, and it, it could be related to my um, treatment. So that they can, when they do have that symptom, contact the doctor, and then in most cases it is manage- manageable. So um, most of the side effects we can we can alleviate in some way. Yeah. All right, I did say um, lines are open, 0891-104-207. I've got Debbie on the line from Cape Town. Debbie, you said you had cancer, breast cancer. Yeah, I I had breast cancer, and what you've been talking about now completely resonates with me. Mm. Um, The first thing that you have is post-traumatic stress immediately after the surgery, Mm. and your your coping mechanisms are reduced dramatically. Mm. You, you struggle with things, you start crying easily, things upset you so easily. And what astounded me was that the oncologist is not actually allowed to prescribe antidepressants. Hmm. It, it, it was bizarre. In order to get antidepressants, I was referred to another medical person, a psychologist. Mm. And 
for me, breast cancer, you go to the oncologist, they are your support bed. Yeah. And she told me that she could not prescribe antidepressants to me. I, I was utterly horrified because, as you say, 25% of breast patient survivors get breast cancer. I mean, I mean get, get depressed. Yeah. And it should be standard procedure to make antidepressants available either by the surgeon or the oncologist. One should not have to go to another medical professional. Yeah. Um, Dr. Zeman, I mean, is this common where, and I, I can imagine, I can understand what Debbie's saying, the fatigue of seeing another practitioner, of trying to explain yourself again, whereas maybe the one you're sitting with is the one who fully understands what you're going through. So now you've got to go see a psychiatrist on top of that. I mean, to what extent can we support these patients better within the oncology center? Yeah, it's, it's exactly what's needed. And it really should be, there should be a standard process either where they work with the GP where they warn the patient, you must get depressed. Mm. This is the way forward. It's really, yeah, I, I was terribly disappointed with mm. that aspect of my treatment. I had a wonderful surgical team, but I, I really felt under-supported on, sure. on a, psycho, a psychological basis. And, and how are you doing now, Debbie? Is it in remission? I'm fine. I have no evidence of the disease. I'm four years on, mm. and I'm still, I haven't 100% completed my reconstruction. And the, the other thing is you get put onto hormone tablets depending on your type of cancer. Yeah. And the hormone tablets have a whole range of side effects. Mm. And if it wasn't for um, sites like breastcancer.org, mm. I would have not understood so much of what was going on in my body. The breastcancer.org site is, is an incredible chat room of women with breast cancer. And you, can, you go on there and you ask a question and generally there is an answer. And it, it is a comprehensive, amazing, amazing organization in terms of answering questions. Oh, Debbie, it, it's been wonderful talking to you. But are you, are you on ongoing support at the moment? Are you are you seeing somebody right now? How are your fears so you with so regards you to, to... You have to carry on for the first five years. You have to see an oncologist every year. You've got to... Some of the medication causes other possible cancers, so you have to have a gynecologist who specializes in oncology who also understands it. And I mean, in my case, I've got to take one form of medication for 10 years. I've got another six years on this medication. Hmm. So, you know, as much as I have no evidence of the disease, my the ongoing process, it's a 10-year period. Yeah. Debbie, thank you so much for opening up. Really appreciate your candor. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, the lines are open, 891 That's Debbie's experience. How are you dealing with your cancer? If you have breast cancer, I'd love to hear from you. Are you experiencing the same thing? Debbie was saying that it was so difficult getting another practitioner to try and explain all of that all over again, whereas she felt that she could have gotten all of that from the oncology center. Is that your experience i'd love to hear from you 891 prime time all day long at sfm radio and at pimelo mutile on twitter
It's eight minutes to two o'clock and I'm joined by Dr. Nikki Zeman. And we're looking at the emotional toll um, that people go through when they are experiencing uh, breast cancer specifically. And she says about 25% of patients experience um, clinical depression. And obviously it's a very high number. And before we went to the break, we were speaking to Debbie who says it's very, it, it, it's lovely. She had a great oncologist, but she wishes she wouldn't have to consult many other doctors. Um, Dr. Ziman, is that common? People where they get fatigued by seeing so many other different practitioners? Um, yes, um, I suppose it, it, it is um, common. Um, initially, and I can only speak you know, about our, our setting here, really. Um, when we diagnose a patient, they, we usually bring them um, to see the surgeon together with the oncologist. And if they need to have reconstructive surgery, we also in the plastic surgeon and then the patient can come along with a family member um, support team and come and speak to the specialist in one sitting so we call this combined clinic ah. so this is actually um, this is actually quite good because then you know they can ask if they get their, they get their treatment plan so they can focus on um, what the next step is going to be according to their treatment plan and they can also ask questions um, and I usually say, you know, bring somebody along that um, can also be there to listen and to ask questions because it is quite overwhelming and mm-hmm. sometimes it gets too much and you forget to ask the questions that you actually have in your head. So, um, so yeah, so here in our practice we do try to, um, to make it more um, friendly, you know, in that sense for the patients. Um, and then after they have their um, treatment, they usually come and see us as the um, general practitioners that work here. And then we would do the, um, at every follow-up, we would, we would um, like I said, you know, ask them how they are doing because we would have more time to spend with the patient. So we try to give like a more like a multidisciplinary one, um, one I don't want to say one stop, but, you know, a multidisciplinary um, uh, team that deals with the patient so that they don't have to first now go to the surgeon then separately go to the oncologist and then go to the plastic surgeon, you know. So, what, what, um, then, what advice would you have for, for family members who whose patient is just reluctant to speak up, reluctant to seek help? I hear this often from, from patients who are dealing with cancer who, who just want to be left alone, so to speak. So their response is, leave me alone, just, you know, just everybody just back off type of thing. How would you advise those living with those kind of patients to, to assist yeah, it is a difficult, um, a difficult thing because um, you know, yeah. Sometimes patients just just need time um, to um, to adjust, and they don't necessarily, you know, want to from the word go, um, you know, speak to everybody about um, about their diagnosis. Um, but I think once you notice that, you know, like I mentioned before, you see these warning sounds persisting, and it's affecting their quality of life. Um, you can reach out to other family members, um, maybe um, also reach out to, if uh, the person is religious, um, reach out in, in that sense to, um, to somebody that, that the patient can trust and speak to or that they would, um, you know, listen to. And otherwise, you know, um, come with to the next follow-up. I mean, patients should come for follow-up, they should come for regular follow-up, especially initially after diagnosis. And um, and then bring up the concern at that diagnosis. Um, you know, Debbie said that she she has to see someone for about five years. Ongoing support. How how easily available is that? 
even after, you know, I suppose you've been declared cancer-free? Yeah, once you've been diagnosed with breast cancer, initially um, you have, you get a follow-up plan. So initially you have to see your follow-up doctor um, every few months, and then later on you can see them every year. But you need to have follow-up once a year for the rest of your life. So sometimes, I think what she um, might have mentioned as well is that uh, um, her treatment plan, her medication that she needs to take, um, she uh, some people only need to be on for five years if they've got a hormone-sensitive breast cancer. But in some cases, patients have to be on it for 10 years. So, um, but, but, but I have noticed some patients think that after the five years, if they finish their treatment, mm-hmm. you know, that's that thing. But no, you have to come every year after that still for your follow-up mammogram um, and, uh, and clinical follow-up. So, so the support should still be there in form of your, um, and of your doc- doctor. Yes, I, I, and I hear that. What I'm saying is how accessible is that? Obviously, the need is quite big. Yes, well, initially when you get, um, when you get diagnosed and you have your treatment um, planned, then um, you're all usually linked to a practice. Mm. So um, I think, you know, for, for cancer patients, there is, they always have that practice to come back to. So that, that the support is there. So if the doctor feels it's necessary to refer you on to have, um, you know, to maybe a support group, or um, or other, you know, psychiatrist or so, then that that will be done from from the from the base practice, I would say. Mm. Dr. Nikki Zeman, who is a general practitioner, but today's focus was a study that they did and uh, a report that they published uh, stating that the prevalence of depression in a breast cancer patient is really, really something to worry about. In fact, they're stating that 25% of those patients uh, are said to be clinically depressed. In other words, not just down, but uh, something that needs to be checked by uh, other practitioners, uh, psychiatrists and so on. And so that is a concern. And so the plea really to you with somebody uh, if you're living with somebody who's got a breast cancer or any other cancer for that matter it's just to keep an eye you know keep an eye on those people who who may not necessarily be vocal about how they're feeling who may not necessarily be willing to receive help just kind of nudge somebody to say you know I think they may be depressed you you know it may be just at the right time where they can get the the right amount of, of assistance that they need so thanks very much for that Dr. Nikki Zeman and uh, asking us to just be vigilant if you're living with somebody with cancer. And if you are yourself are diagnosed with cancer, it's it's okay to say, I'm not coping at the moment. I do need help. It is okay to reach out and that uh, that help should be available to you.